You're listening to a message from Hope Central in Adelaide, South Australia. If you'd like to know more about Hope Central or any of our ministries, please visit hopecentral.org.au. everybody how you doing good to be here I don't get to preach very often and so when you get up here you're kind of dry mouth and panicky but you know what I just feel like I've got a good word and I believe God's gonna help us with that I'm gonna start by Psalm 23 it's a psalm that a lot of us know and I'm gonna be in somebody's way no matter what I do here so the Lord is my shepherd he gives me everything I need he lets me lie down in fields of green grass And he leads me besides quiet waters. He gives me new strength. He guides me in the right path for the honor of his name. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, I'm not going to be afraid. You are with me. Your shepherd's rod comforts me. You prepare a feast for me right before my enemies. You pour oil on my head and my cup runs over. I am sure that your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that we have a shepherd who loves us so much. I'm so grateful, Lord God, that you care so incredibly for us. And that song said, you know, there's a mercy enough for the many or the one And that's so true, Lord God, that you have seen every single one of us in our circumstances and you love us so much. And for that, we want to praise you and thank you. And we welcome you here today as I bring this word. Lord, I pray that your word would go forth and bring forth a harvest in our hearts today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If I was to summarize that psalm, it would be this. I make the Lord my shepherd... And surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Look at that young handsome fellow up there. That was clearly a long, long time ago. And in 1975, a young 20-year-old probationary constable, fresh out of the academy, with lots of head knowledge, but very little practical experience, was posted to his first posting at Powerhouse Police Station. That is now a childcare centre, so that was a long time ago. When I got to Power Hills Police Station, we were on general patrols. Did they send me out by myself? No, because that would have been dangerous for me and for the public. So what they did, they paired me with a more experienced, older officer who could show me the ropes. So on this particular occasion... Showing my age. And in fact, that's the wrong police car. It was the model, about three models before that, but I couldn't find one of them. But that's what we looked like pretty tough in the day, didn't it? That's the traffic car. I ended up going to traffic, but I wasn't then. But this is 1975. I'm brand new. It's late one night. I'm on afternoon shift with, with the older officer, and we are driving down northeast road Collingswood. And I see a, a brown valiant ute in front of me, and he was speeding, so... Back in those days, there was no high tech. You just got behind and watched your speedo and you followed them, timed them. And he was doing about 80 k's. He wasn't in a hurry to stop. 
So by the time I pulled him over, we were back into the parklands of North Adelaide. Now back in those days, it was pretty dark and pretty quiet. There wasn't much traffic. This is 1975. So I pull this guy up and he gets out. And clearly, he'd had a drink or two. So, you know, I've got to get the breath. Back in those days, we didn't have the, the blow. We had bags with crystals. And you made this up and you had to blow in and watch the crystals. So I'm getting that ready. And my offsider says, call for backup. Now, in those days, we didn't have walkie-talkies where you can go, zero ten, can I back up, please? It was just a second. I've got to go to the police car, open the door, get in, sit down, grab the microphone, <laughs> and, and call for backup. It wasn't as easy as it is now. So I said to him, what for? Why call for backup? There's two of us. And he said, call for backup. All right, so I tail between my legs. I jump back in the Valiant, and I call for backup. I got out, and we started talking to this, this guy. And it turns out he's a soldier. And before I can even think, it turned quite ugly. Within moments, we were all three of us rolling around in the parklands, fighting, punching, wrestling, grappling for all we were worth. And there was two of us and one of him, and we weren't winning. He was winning this battle. And so through all the grunting and panting, I can hear, I could hear sirens coming. And trust me, they couldn't come quick enough because I was 20. I was fit back then. I'm not as fit now, but I was wearing out very quickly. This guy was beating us. And all of a sudden, through the grappling, I look up and I see this copper running through the grass. And all of a sudden, as he got near to us, he kind of leapt up in a crouching, kneeling position and boom, landed on this soldier. Now, he, the soldier was completely winded. We were already winded. <laughs> Thanking God that I actually called for backup. And this, the soldier was, you know, was knocked out. We, we handcuffed him and carted him off to, to Holden Hill Police Station where we, where, we, um, where we put him in the cells. Now, what would have happened... If I wasn't with a senior partner and he hadn't called for backup, I imagine our lifeless bodies would still be lying in the council and the council workers would be cutting around our, the grass around our decaying bodies. I just know it wouldn't have been very pretty. You see, there's a reason the department yoked me with an older, more experienced officer. As you know, as you can tell, I'm no longer a police officer. Um, I served for 30 years but then I came out of the police force and I started my own business. And I had a painting business for nine and then I've had a, a carpet cleaning business for about 14 years since then. Now I know, you ask me, I know that forming a partnership with someone else generally is not such a good idea. It's rife with problems. Um, I know not everyone has the same understanding, the same principles, the same thoughts that you might have or we might have. But guess what? I still yoke myself to someone else in business. You know, I could justify it in my mind because we were like-minded. Uh, he, he, um, what happened was we did a course together um, and we got on well. It seemed to be going well. And then we heard about a flood remediation course in Melbourne. So we said, let's fly to Melbourne and do this course because we like to do floods. And so... Um, we flew over there, we shared accommodation because it's economical, and 
over the next few nights in between studying for the flood course, I shared Jesus and I led him to the Lord. This is meant to be. I led him to the Lord. He's now a Christian. I said, okay, what I want you to do now is I want you to ring two people and share with them what you've just done. So to try and solidify what he, the understanding of what he'd done. So he did that. So um, after the course, we came back. And a short time later, he said, hey, why don't we partner up? He lives south. I live north. This is going to work out great. And we can, we can work together. So I could justify it in my mind. He's now Christian. This is going to be good. We were like-minded. We were hard workers. He could cover south and I could cover north. Perfect, right? But there was always a niggle in my spirit. There was always a niggle. You know that little thing that you just try and ignore and try and make it go away, but it doesn't? There's that niggle in my spirit that said, no, I don't want you to do this. But I did it anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, about 15 or 18 months later, he decided he'd be better off working with somebody else and basically left me high and dry. Now, we'd invested a lot of time. We'd invested a lot of money. We had a web page. We'd bought equipment together. Um, and let's say through the splitting process, I didn't come out on top. You see, I yoked myself to someone when I shouldn't have. We were unequally yoked. And I would have been much better off not being yoked to him. You see, who you are yoked to determines your destiny. The Israelites were yoked and it affected their destiny. How do we know this? Leviticus 26.13 says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt so that you would no longer be slaves to the Egyptians. I broke the bars of your yoke and enable you to walk with heads held high. Now, we talked a bit about yoking, haven't we? Okay, what, what, what is yoking? And this is the best picture I guess we can have is, you know, yoking can mean many things, but what we're talking about today is where you have an experienced ox that knows the ropes and then you have an inexperienced ox that you want to train to help this one go along the way. So you yoke them together and they put the beam and the straps around so that they, the, the younger one follows the older one and becomes trained that way. See, the Israelites were yoked to Pharaoh. And the whole nation was in slavery in Egypt for 400 years. Their destiny was determined generation after generation, but to someone who didn't have their best interest at heart. But God sent Moses to deliver them from being yoked to Pharaoh. And there's a lot going on in Moses coming to Pharaoh. We know much of the stories, but it culminated in 10 plagues. Now, the last plague was one whereby God was going to strike down the firstborn throughout the nation. And what he asked the Hebrew people to do was to sacrifice a perfect lamb. Sacrifice a perfect lamb. You're not going to boil it because that takes time. I want you to roast it because that's a quick way to, to cook it. And what I want you to do is when you eat it, I want you to eat it with bitter herbs so it reminds you of the bitter time you had in Egypt. I want you to do it with sandals on your feet ready to run. And I want you to do it with gird your loins ready to go. But what I want you to do is this is the blood of the lamb. I want you to, to, to daub it or to put it on the lintels and the doorposts of your house. 
so that when the angel of death comes over Egypt, it will pass over your house. It will see the blood of the perfect lamb and pass over and your firstborn will be spared. And we know what happened. That's exactly what happened. The angel of death came over. Pharaoh's son was struck down. All the firstborn were struck down, but the Hebrew nation, their firstborn were saved. And then, of course, we know that this Passover feast was celebrated to the Jews to this day. We continue that tradition through communion that Anna led for us today so beautifully. But Moses had to bring them out of being yoked to Pharaoh and cause them to be yoked to God. How did he do this? He took them out into the wilderness where they had nothing but God. He opened a road through the sea. They were trapped, the Egyptians on one side and the sea on the other. He destroyed the pursuing Egyptians because they would have been slaughtered. He provided a home food delivery system before Uber Eats of manna coming every day except on the Sabbath. They weren't allowed to keep that food from this day to the next day because that was not trusting God that he would still come the next day and the next day and the next day. They weren't allowed to plant crops. They weren't allowed to dig wells. They weren't allowed to build houses. He taught them dependence on who? On him. To have a need for him. Now I've got a question that I've had to answer as I prepared this. Do you remember when you last needed Jesus? I'm not talking about wanting something from Jesus. I pray every day. Lord, bless my business. Keep my van safe. Keep my machines running well. Bless us in what we do. I'm asking God all the time for stuff like that. And I'm not talking about when you first needed him and invited him into your heart. I'm talking about you needing him. For him to be your first love again, needing Jesus this is what I mean by being yoked to him you see he is the stronger oxen he is the eternal oxen he's the gracious oxen being yoked to him because he's the best way the safe way the sure way for you Matthew eleven twenty eight thirty 30 says this come to me all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest take my yoke Upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. They were 40 years in the desert learning to depend and need on Jesus. But wouldn't you know it? When the Israelites reached the edge of the promised land, God God predicted they would lose their love for him. What? And he told them exactly how it would happen. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws and his decrees that I'm giving to you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and when you are satisfied, 
when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and your flocks grow, they grow large and you have silver and gold increases and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt and out of the land of slavery. And you go, nah, never happened. Just 40 years every day. 40 years, morning and night. Pillar of cloud, pillar of fire, shoes not wearing out, manna, quail, you name it. No, it's impossible. I think we're very much like the Hebrew nation because I know I am. We want Jesus to meet our need, but I want my independence at the same time. I want to do it my way because sometimes I think I know better. But there's a danger in that. Eventually, that entire generation in Judges 2.10, that entire generation died and was buried. Then another generation grew up that didn't know anything of God or the work he had done. One generation after 40 years in the desert, relying on God, never failing them once, a new generation grew up not knowing anything of the work he had done for them. Let's look at how that can happen to us today. Hey, let's look at how that can happen to us. Because today, I look at my life. I've got my work. My work is kind of all-consuming. I work so many hours, it's not funny. My phone rings at 7 in the morning, and sometimes people ring me at 10 o'clock at night. What the heck? My emails come constantly. Um, it just never ends. I have breakdowns. I have customers complaining. I, it just goes on and on and on. It's just never end, never end to 10. Uh, today, entertainment. We've got Netflix, we've got YouTube, we've got TV, we've got social media, we've got sport, we've got girlfriend, boyfriends, wives, husbands, houses, cars, you name it. It just goes on forever. Let's, let's have a little game. Where's Lockie? Is he here? There he is. Here's my little helper here. And I'm just going to show you kind of what I think this, how, how it kind of happens in our life, okay? Come on, Lockie. So Lockie is a lovely young lad, but he doesn't know Jesus. And I've been calling him. I've been, I've been calling him and he's answered. And he comes to me and he receives me in his heart. I forgive him of all his sins and he's over the moon. This is amazing. He's walking with Jesus every day. We walk and talk. He spends time with me in the morning. He chats to me during the day. He chats to me at night. He tells his friends all about me. And he, we have such a great time because he loves me. <laughs> he really, really loves me. And, but of course, you know, life is full of stuff, isn't it? Life is full of stuff. And it's not necessarily bad stuff. There's bad stuff out there. There's a lot of good stuff. And of course, you know, social media is massive today. And so, so you know, Lockie has to, you know, obviously walk with me. But social media, media plays a big part in our lives. And of course, you know, um, um, entertainment. You know what? We all need to be entertained because life can be so boring if we're entertained. And so Lockie, Lockie also, you know, wants to be entertained. Um, and... W- we continue to walk and talk and have fun together and he sh- we spend time and I answer his prayers. And, you know, but there's so many things like YouTube, YouTube Netflix, so many things that kind of just grab our attention and they're not necessarily bad things. He's also a good juggler. Um, not necessarily bad things. And, and so we just walk now. And, um, and, but, of course, all these good things are still there. Um, money. 
you know, he has to work and, and money. We have to earn money and money enables us to... And money enables us to buy so many good things, which are good things, you know. Um, go out for meals. Um, let me help you with that, Lockie. Because um, I do provide a lot of money for you. Um, um, and, and, and then there's my biggest, but we're not as close as we were once, were we, Lockie? Because you know, before we were, we were like this, but now it's kind of, you know, a lot of this stuff is good stuff, but takes up our time and takes up our attention and he's not as devoted as he was. But then, of course, Mobile phones, oh my gosh. You know, every time you, know, every time you drive, drive down the street, someone's at a bus stop, what are they doing? People are sitting and having a meal. What are they doing? You see mums and dads and kids at the table and what are they doing? Because mobile phones take a big part of our life and they just take up so much. Let me get that right so people know what we're talking. But then, of course, not only mobile phone, but sport. We're Aussies, we love sport. You know, sport is such an amazing thing. And I'm so sporting. His, his, and sport too, Lucky, because you know. Um, and what ends up happening? This is funny, I know. And Lucky's been a great sport, but these are all good things. These are all good things, but they can distract. And what happens where Lucky and I used to have this close intimacy every day? He needed not just what I could give him; he needed me. And I need him. But stuff just distracts. And what ends up happening, Lockie comes to visit me every Sunday. But we don't have the intimacy that we once did. Thanks, Lockie. You're amazing. Give him a big, big round of applause. Thanks, buddy. And that's the trap. All this stuff. It's all good stuff, but it distracts us. So we end up wanting the stuff more than we want Jesus. And, you know, I was thinking about um, other times where people had revivals. What about you? Alan and I were talking, Alan and I were talking the other week about revivals, wanting revivals, you know. And I started thinking about that. And I... I looked up the Welsh Revival of 1904. Wales is a tiny little country in another tiny little country, the Great Britain. So it borders England and, and Scotland and Wales. It's a tiny little country. And in 1904, there was a revival in the mining community. And it was a not very special little chapel. I've seen it's still, still there, a little chapel, old stone building. And a great revival rose up there. And 70,000 people were saved in a two-month period. It changed the landscape of Wales. People were changed completely. And I go, well, why did that happen? Then I thought, well, this is a mining community. They worked hard. They got up in the morning, it was dark. They probably had a bit of bread and some milk or something. And they walked in the dark to, to the mine. They worked and grafted all day in the mine. And then at the end of the day, it was probably dark and they went home. They got some water out of a well and washed themselves, had some more bread and, and some milk or whatever, a cup of tea or something, and then went to bed. And that's probably all they had. There was no TV, no radio, no distractions. Apparently, they're like soccer. Soccer was a bit of a thing, but that wasn't every day. But they had no distractions. They had an awakening of their first love and their need for him with nothing to distract them. We, oft, we often say, 
All the miracles you see overseas, incredible miracles. And you go, why don't we see them here? Because they don't have any other option. They're not distracted. They need God. They seek God. They find God. Now, my story of not much is this. Back in 1985, my wife and I went to Paradise Church. We went to a little Church of Christ before that where we got saved and met. But then in 85, we went to Paradise. And we had three young kids. There were two, three, and four. Yeah, we had three under three. What were we thinking? I don't know. Um, and I was a policeman. Now, back in, coppers today get great money. They really get good money. Back when I was a policeman, bus drivers got a lot more than policemen did. And I, you know, it, it was dreadful. We had no money. And I had a mortgage. I paid premium health cover because I did that right from when I was 16. I just kept that going. I felt that was profitable to do that. Um, we had an old car that someone from church had given to us. We had no money. One wage, three kids, no money. And we learned about tithing. Now, tithing is 10% of your gross given to the church from your net. We learned about this and we were scared, but we were desperate because we had nothing. I had an old formica table as a kitchen table that someone had given us. I borrowed five chairs from the church five years before. Sorry, Lord. And, and I had no curtains on the window. We had no air conditioner and... One wage, and we, were, we struggle every single week. We were going nowhere, and we learned about tithing. We were scared, we were desperate, but we yoked ourselves to him in our finances. And we went on. Sometime later, we learned about something else called offering. Now, we were more scared, but we'd managed from tithing, let's give this a go, because the 10% I give him, the first 10 is his, the next 10% out of my net is mine. That's where the blessing comes, we were told. So, now this, this is not a tithing message. Trust me, this is not a tithing message, but I've been convicted and can testify to you about this, about me not having much, being yoked to God in my finances and how he comes through. So for 37 years, my wife and I have been faithful in tithing offering. 10% of our gross, 10% of our net. We kept our house we paid it off. I put my three kids through King's Baptist Grammar School from reception to year 12. I put one of my kids through teacher's college. Um, God opened doors, made ways, showed me miracles. I have more testimonies about God's provision than I have anything else because I yoked myself with him and he was faithful. God opened a door for me to start my business. When I was in Bible college, when I left the police force, I went to Bible college. And I said to him, Lord, I'll go, but you've got to provide for me. He provided for me. When I was in college, I promise you, he dropped the idea of painting in my head. At the same time, he dropped the idea of carpet cleaning. I never painted, I never carpet cleaned. But he gave me those ideas in college. And so he opened doors for miracle after miracle. Now, my kids saw our example. They saw what I earned. They knew what I got. They saw how we were blessed. And they are faithful in tithing and offering to this day. And they're still, all my kids are following faithfully after Jesus and are now training their children to follow after Jesus. And I can tell you this today. I'm blessed 
My kids are blessed. Goodness and mercy have followed us all the days of my lives because we've been stayed faithful and yoked to him in that area. But to be totally honest, there's other areas where I've lost my need for him. And I said before, this message has been a great wake-up call because it really makes you focus. Because I know I've lost my first love for him in so many other ways. So for you today, where have you lost your need for him? Is it just reading your Bible to go through a program and tick a box like I've done? Is worshipping him something you endure rather than something you love in drawing close to him? Is it giving in to worldly desires because I'm only human even though I know it displeases my dad? Or is it you fill in your own space here? You see, God's desire is for us to need him. Not just want from him. And you know what? It's okay. Because he won't put anything heavy on us. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. Come on. Who's weary and burdened today? So many of us are, let's be honest, this is a tough gig. We are weary and burdened. All this stuff is good stuff and it's all there and there's pressures from left and right. The world is in a mess and it brings pressure. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in spirit, in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. But he wants all of us not to take from you. You know, when God in 85 spoke to me about tithing, it wasn't to take from me. When he convicted me about tithing, it wasn't to take from me. It was so he could bless me. And today I'm blessed. And when he has you, when he has you, surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of our life. If the band could come up. You see, this is not condemnation. This is not condemnation. There's mercy for everyone, for one and for all. He just wants a relationship with you. You, I've got a 91-year-old mother. She's fabulous. I visit her every Sunday. You know the one thing? I could buy her anything. You know what's the one thing she wants from me? Big Big banana, no. What was that? What? Love. Love, yes. But what does she want from Glenn? Gotcha. She wants me. She wants time. And I believe that's similar to what God wants. He just wants you. You know, when I go there, I don't do anything special, but I've just, I'm just there and I lavish upon her. And she lavishes upon me. That's what God wants from us today. For you to be your first love again. So we're going to sing a song. But I want you to think about where you are today. And if today, you know, we've chatted about Jesus being our shepherd. He's our shepherd. 
and he provides and protects and leads and guides and feeds and looks after us in all these things. He says, yoke to me and it's going to be okay. I'll take you through. Perhaps you've never met the shepherd. Today, maybe you're going, well, I'm in church. I feel I should be here, but I don't know who the shepherd is. We want to introduce you to the shepherd who wants to give to you, wants to get to know you and lavish upon you. And when we come back, I'm going to come back in a few minutes after we've sung this. We're going to stand together, stand now, and let's sing. But I want you to ponder what we've talked about. I'll be back in a minute. Not condemnation. Because, you know, just like the prodigal son, the prodigal son messed up so badly. He went off, he wasted, he abused, he treated his father as his father was dead. Didn't want his dad. Wanted what dad could give him, but he didn't want his dad. And he went off and wasted and abused and did everything until finally he went. If I was a servant back there, if I was a servant back there, I'd, I'd be better off. So he came back and he's going through his mind, Lord, Dad, Dad, I've sinned against you and look, make me a servant. I'm sorry, right? Where was the dad? Where was the dad? He's waiting at the gate. And not did he, he didn't, me, I would have gone, all right, yeah, come on down. Yeah, all right, I know what you've done. No, he wasn't like that. He was waiting at the gate. And when he saw him afar off, he ran to him, embraced him, got him, killed the fatter calf, get the sandals, get the robe. You, my son is restored. That's the father's heart because he wants you. He wants me. He wants to love you and his yoke is easy and his burden is light this other stuff is not this other stuff is heavy and it gets in the way and it hinders and spoils so today here's our chance to go Lord I give all this stuff to you because I want you so if that's you you can do it now can do it Monday morning. Just do it. Just do it. If you feel like you like prayer, we're here to pray with you because we're all the same. We're all loaded with stuff and we've been distracted from Him, but He wants you to want Him. If you've never met Jesus, if you don't know the shepherd, we want to pray with you. And it's simple. Just walk down the front here. Some friendly people here, we're going to pray for you. Is that okay? So right now, we're going to dismiss. We're going to have a great time of fellowship in the cafe. It's great having fellowship in the cafe. But don't miss your moment. Don't miss your moment. Either do it here now, do it later on, but get back to be with God, to know Him. Let me just pray for you before we go. Father, I thank you for this word that you laid on my heart. I thank you for all the hearts who have heard this. And Lord God, each one of us, Lord, wants in our own depth of our spirit, wants to know you more. Would you help us to do that now? And we pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great time of fellowship. Come down the front. You've been listening to a message from Hope Central in Adelaide, South Australia. If you want more information about who we are, visit us at hopecentral.org.au or join us for Sunday worship at any of our three campuses.